Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message.
interesting time preparing this. You know, we're on Romans uh, chapter 8, and this is supposed to start in verse 2 and, and uh, go on. I better put my glasses on so I could see better. Go to verse 16. Uh, last week, Scott talked mostly about Romans 8 chapter, uh, chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ. How about that? But, but it's interesting, as I, as I prepared uh, this week, an unusual kind of thing happened. Uh, here I'm preparing about new beginnings, and somebody on instant, on uh, uh, you know, social media posted that they, they needed a new beginning. Well, that kind of got my attention. This is a guy that I haven't had much contact with for uh, a long time. But he said, I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. That kind of got my attention. I said, wow, this is awesome. Maybe I can read what he says and get some insights uh, about new beginnings. Wow. Well, it, it's interesting. Uh, I'll call his name Fernando. I'm not going to share his real name. We'll call him Fernando. I don't know any Fernandos, so that, that won't get me in trouble, hopefully. But, but so Fernando shared what he's going to do for his new beginning. He was going to get off of social media. I thought, well, that's a pretty good thing. And he's going to change his name. And then he's going to get on new social media under his new name. And then he's going to move to Florida to start his new life. Well, as I said, one of my last messages, I said, we need to be more interactive. How, many, how do you think it's going to go for Fernando? Just You, you, you don't think it's going to go well? Okay, well, there's good news and bad news about this. The good news is he made it to Florida. The bad news is the last I heard, he was in jail. He got in a fight with police officers. So the point of that Fernando's story is it's, it's great to have a new beginning, but it doesn't happen by changing states, changing your name. Now, if God changes your name, that's, that's fantastic. But if you just try to change your own name, try to change states, try to change this, try to change that, it's probably not going to work. So Fernando really needs a new beginning, though. 
He's been divorced about three times. He's broken his relationships with most of his family and friends over the years because of his anger issues, his bad attitudes, his addictions. And so he really needs a new beginning. But unfortunately, uh, he wasn't really going about it the, the best kind of way. Well, then I started thinking about another person. I'll call her Phyllis, okay? I don't know any Phyllises, so hopefully won't get in trouble for Phyllis. I've never known anybody in all my 73 years, I've never known anyone who has tried so hard to find a new beginning than Phyllis. Every year, if you would meet her, any, any time, any year, she's always looking for a new beginning. She's reading a new self-help book, going to a new seminar, trying a new career, trying a new multi-level marketing thing. Uh, at one point, she, she got some plastic surgery. She thought maybe she'd have a better self-image if, if she did that. That didn't really work. And at one point, she dumped her husband because she thought she could upgrade and get a guy that would support her better and uh, have more money. That didn't work out too well either. So, so today, both Fernando and Phyllis are in their mid-60s, still in need of a new beginning. And, and it's heartbreaking, you know? It's heartbreaking. And, and one of the observations I've made as I think about Fernando and Phyllis is, why do they, how do they miss it? How do they miss a new beginning when they tried so hard? They wanted so much to have one. And what I realized is, the new beginning they were looking for was all about themselves. It was all self-centered. And, and so if, if Jesus is not the center, he's not on the throne and you're on the throne, that's the very reason why you need a new beginning. And then I started getting really upset. I'm gonna get really in trouble here. But by some of, some of the current Christian books are about how you can have your best life, how you can do the new you, and, and I thought, thinking, what, there's something wrong with this. This is, not, this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus never pandered to, to, it's all about you. And if you think it's all about you, pretty soon you're gonna end up like Fernando and Phyllis. You're gonna end up in a dead end. Oh, help us, Lord. It's not about you. And that's really hard for us, you know? It's really difficult, but uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Now that's, that, that's not a good book cover. You know what I mean? It's not gonna sell many books. And so, but that's, that's what Jesus said. He, he said, uh, let's see if I can read it right here. Well, here's another one. Maybe you've seen the poster. A person wrapped up in themselves makes a very small package. <laughs> you've probably met some people like that, huh? And then I got, I got concerned because, you know, we just advertised Prime a few minutes ago. And so far, the one that has the least registrations was engagement. I thought, wow, gosh, I hope that's not an indication. I hope people are just going through the thing and they, they're just into maturity now. But... Engagement is the one where we give our lives away. It, it, it's all the other ones are mostly about what God wants to do in you. And then you finally get to engagement. It, it's what God wants to do through you. And so if you're really going to be a disciple, you can't stop along the way. You got to get to engagement. You got to get to the place where you die to yourself. You're giving your life away where he is using you to reach a lost and needy world. Wow. 
Anyway, so Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, <laughs> we just lost all my notes here. Oh, well, technology we love, we love, we love. Oh, well, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Wow, that's, again, that's not culturally uh, appropriate in America today, but that's what Jesus said. So it's interesting. In the, then I just, I, I'm really going to get to Romans 8. I really, really am. Then I, I realized that there's several times in the Bible where people really needed a new beginning and they didn't get one. One of them was the rich young ruler. Comes to Jesus, sincere, religious kind of guy. And he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question. And, and he said that he'd kept all the Ten Commandments, basically. You know, hey, I've, I've done it all. Hey, what do I got to do? How do I get this ticket to heaven? You know, what, what, do, what do I have to do for eternal life? And Jesus says, well, I think you just lack one thing. Oh, that's great. I only lack one thing. He said, you need to go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And he went away sorrowful because that was too high a price. He wanted a ticket to heaven, but he didn't really want to be changed on the earth. Ah. Oh. And then there's the, the feeding of the 5,000 story in John chapter 6. And here's 5,000 people. Oh, Jesus feeds them, gives them loaves and fishes. You know the story. And then at the end of the chapter, he starts saying, you know, if you really, really want to have life, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. And all of a sudden, 5,000 people, it's like, you know, it's time to go. Everybody leaves. <laughs> Isn't that something? And they're down to 12 people again. And one of those was going to be the betrayer. Isn't that something? Jesus was not too concerned about the numbers. He was concerned about the quality. He was concerned about whether they're genuine, whether they're authentic, whether they're, they're true, um, true disciples or not. Let, let's read it in Romans chapter 8. The, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be an offering for sin. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the, of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Wow. And we're almost done with this passage here. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, 
then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Wow. So, <clears throat> therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you would die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Thank you, Lord. There's a lot of really profound stuff in this thing. And there's five misconceptions I, I particularly want to draw your attention to today. Well, here, here's the first one. The misconception is the gospel and the Christian life are only about forgiveness of sins and freedom from condemnation. Think about it. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore... There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Is that good news or what? That's fantastic news. But the cool thing is the chapter doesn't end there. The book of Romans doesn't end there. In fact, we're, only half, we're not even halfway through the book of Romans. It has 16 chapters. According to a lot of churches, the way they conduct things, that could have been the end. Just as I am without one plea, you know, preach John 3.16, people come up, okay, you're saved, you're forgiven. That's the end. Is that the end? No, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of a new beginning. That's not the end. But the tragedy is, the way it goes in a lot of places, that's the end. Every week it's kind of John 3.16, come get saved, kind of come get forgiven. You see, the Christian life is not just about forgiveness of sins. It's about transformation. It's not just about no condemnation. It's about transformation, you see. And so, so it's important to see the difference. It's important to see both of them. So through the cross, we're forgiven. Jesus died on the cross, so you'd be forgiven. So there'd be no condemnation. That's a fantastic thing. But through the Spirit, we're transformed. We're empowered. We're given the power of God to salvation, Romans 1.16 says. Bonhoeffer, another quote from him, cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Hey, you're forgiven. Grace without discipleship. Man, that's just not right. And, and you know what? Um, here's a confession. When Prime was first launched, we started with just prayer, you know, relationship with God. And relationships and you know the whole thing important an important thing was left out unless you're willing to die to yourself deny yourself take up your cross you're not really ready for any of that you're not really ready for for prayer for relationships for instruction for maturity and engagement it starts with if you want to follow me come and deny yourself wow isn't that something and so we added that in, by the way. So it's in the, the new introduction to, to, to Prime. First, die. First, come and surrender. First, give your life. And then we'll make you a disciple and great things will happen. But this thing about forgiveness, it, it kind of it bugs me. Because I grew up in a mainline kind of denominational church. And uh, every week we had a prayer of confession. 
Any of you ever in a church like that? And the, in the prayer of confession, I never thought much about it at the time, but here's how it went. <clears throat> Lord, we sinned last week in thought, word, and deed, and we're not really, we're not really uh, worthy to be your children. And this coming week, we're going to sin again in thought, word, and deed. And again, we won't be worthy to be your children, but we ask you ahead of time to forgive us for all the bad things we're probably going to do. I don't, I don't know if that bothers you at all, but it kind of bothers me because you're not supposed to keep doing it forever. You know, last week, Scott rightly said, if you've ever seen the bumper sticker, Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. Now, is that true or not? See, there's a lot of half-truths in our society, and we have to have some discernment. Is it true that Christians are not perfect? That's true. And is it true that we're forgiven? That's true. But when it says we're just forgiven, that's not right. We're not just forgiven. We are forgiven, but we're also adopted, like Brian said earlier. We're, we're changed, we're transformed, we're new creations. And so if you're just forgiven, that just means you might as well keep doing it again and again and again. And so I grew up in this church, and then I finally got saved, and I was around a, a bunch of Christians even after I was saved. I would call them 1 John 1, 9 Christians. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that was kind of their life. Oh, sinned again. I'll confess again. I'll be forgiven again. But it also says in that verse, he wants to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. And, and forgive me, I don't listen to a lot of secular music, but this old, old song from Britney Spears kept coming in my head as I was preparing. It's, it's <laughs> oops, I did it again. And for those of you who don't know who Britney Spears is, it was before Taylor Swift. <laughs> Oops, I've done it again, but that's the way some Christians live. Oh, I did it again. Have to get forgiven. Go back to 1 John 1, 9. Confess, get forgiven. Shoo, boy, that's a dreary way to live. You know what I mean? That's a dreary way to live. It shouldn't have to be that way. There ought to be something better than that. And then you've heard the line. You've probably heard it. You've probably maybe said it. We're just a bunch of forgiven sinners. We are forgiven sinners, but we're not just a bunch of forgiven sinners. You know what Paul calls us? I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling, actually. He calls us saints. He calls us holy ones. What? What are you thinking? I'm, I don't know about you. I don't feel like a holy one all the time, but that's what God calls us. He says, you're my son and daughter. You're a holy one. I see you in Christ. So, Help us, Lord, to be that, to be your sons and daughters, to know our true identity. Wow, isn't that something? Well, finally, thank God, I came around some spirit-filled Christians in my journey, and, and instead of thinking about their sin all the time and thinking about themselves all the time, guess what they were thinking about? How can I serve the Lord, and how can I impact other people? Whoa, that was totally different. Because I was just trying to stay out of sin. You know, I was just trying to get forgiven. I, I, that's, that was my identity. Well, anyway, God wants 
there to be a true revival. True revival is not just more signs and wonders and miracles. A true revival is a transformation of the heart, of the inner person. And that's what God wants to do for us. Wow. So the gospel is not just about forgiveness of sins and freedom from condemnation. It's more than that. Wow, isn't that something? And you, one of the verses we, uh, we talked about is the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, to become a son and daughter of God. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Thank you, Lord. We have a new identity. And one more thing, one more little story about this. <clears throat> this is about Sally the show pig, okay? I don't know, any of you, were any of you future farmers of America or any of that? Well, I, I wasn't, but... <laughs> So this guy named Bobby had a show pig, and uh, he cleaned it up. Uh, in some versions of the story, he even put like a ribbon around its head and put a little bit of perfume on its back. And, and, and Sally, the show pig, really looked good, right? And so they went, they went to the state fair, and guess what? Bobby won a ribbon because of how great Sally looked. And he was showing off his ribbon, he was so excited about the ribbon, and he took his eye off of Sally. And what did Sally do? She, she found a mud puddle, rolled around in it, and she wasn't so good-looking anymore. And the tragedy is many people's vision of the, of the Christian life is just get cleaned up, become a show pig. But, but sat, you know, maybe that's not your vision, but, you know. <laughs> but the trouble is, Sally was never changed. She was still a pig. Her, her, her mind and her heart were never changed. She was still a pig even though she was cleaned up. A lot of people clean up pretty well on Sunday morning. You guys look good, you know? You, know, you clean up, you look good, you, look, you say hallelujah, praise the Lord. God wants to change the heart. And that's something that we sometimes really, really miss. Churches across America, a lot of times, are just trying to clean us up on the outside. That's not the gospel. Help us, Lord. Well, <clears throat> misconception number two. Since we're now living under grace rather than law, our conduct is irrelevant, and God no longer cares about whether we obey his commandments and precepts. Um, take a look at Romans chapter 6 sometime. Paul says, well, should we, since we're under grace and not under law, maybe we should just sin more and more, you know, so grace would abound. How about that? He said, God forbid. That's ridiculous. So there's a misunderstanding of grace often. We think grace is only about forgiveness. Grace is about empowering you. Titus chapter 2 says the grace of God empowers you. It teaches you to deny ungodliness, to change your ways, to be transformed. That's what grace is about. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He, he was changed by the grace of God. Wow. We, we need that in a big time way. So this is an interesting thing. So Paul says, right after there's no condemnation, he says, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now that's interesting. There's two laws going on here. Got my prop bag, as you can see. So I'm going to take up a fund for all these stupid uh, props I buy on Amazon. You know, so, so somebody actually gave me an Amazon gift card today. It's, it's a good thing. I'm spending a lot of money on these things. So here's an airplane, right? 
So the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity. Is the law of gravity gone? No. Just not too many weeks ago, there was a story about some stupid guy that opened the uh, emergency exit at 30,000 feet or you know, somewhere along the way. Well, <laughs> the law of gravity still works. <laughs> you know, it really does. But the law of the spirit of life sets us free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death hadn't changed any. Uh, it's still gravity, but through the spirit, we supersede that. Wow, that's, that's an interesting thing. And it's also interesting. So, <laughs> welcome aboard, it says. Uh, <laughs> there's therefore now no... Oh, okay, you can turn it off now. So there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. See, when, when God looks at you, what's he see? He sees Christ. He sees the airplane. The, the same God who said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, 17. That's what he says again. He looks at you. He sees Jesus. He said, you're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. But what is all that about? It's in Christ. And if you want to get blessed sometime, do a search of what it says in the Bible about in Christ, in him, in him we're adopted, in him we're beloved, in him we're transformed, um, uh, in him we're new creations. It's all about in him. It's not about in you. It's not about you striving, struggling, all that stuff. It's about in him. Wow, that is an amazing thing, isn't it? So, and, and look at verse 4 too in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Now, that's interesting. You would think that if you had grace, it wouldn't really matter if you did any good stuff or any good things happened through you. But Paul is saying, through the Spirit, God's requirement is met. In Christ, God's requirement is, is met. And, and look, look at this. This kind of gives some of the context of it. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, 5, verses 17 and 20. Don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets, Jesus said. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So how could that be? The Pharisees were really righteous people. They fasted several times a week. They had big parts of the Bible memorized. They were, they were really about as religious as you could get. And Jesus said, your righteousness has to be higher than that. Mm. Well, later in the chapter, he explains a little bit about that. It used to be said, you shall not murder. But I say you, if you're even angry. So what he's saying is, there's a higher way. Instead of just not being a murderer, how about not being an angry person? Wow, that's something, isn't it? Praise God. So he's doing something better than the law, higher than the law. You heard it said you should not commit adultery, but I tell you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. So in other words, he's saying, hey, here's the law. The law is all there, but there's something better. I want to change you from the inside out, not just change your conduct, not just be like the show pig. I'm going to clean up your outsides. I'm going to clean up your insides. Wow, that is a great thing. And this is a verse that really, really transformed my life as an early Christian because when I, I was a pretty good kid before I was saved. 
I don't know if any of you can have that testimony. I, I was a good kid before I was saved. And so I got saved, and guess what I tended to do? Just try to be a good kid still. In my own strength, in my own effort, by my own ingenuity, all that kind of stuff. And after a while, ugh, this, isn't, this isn't really working very well. And, and I read Watchman Nee's The Normal Christian Life and another book by Fritz Reidenauer, uh, How to Be a Christian Without Being Religious. And it kept reminding me, it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Yes, I've been crucified. I come to the cross. I'm dead to myself. But Christ lives in me. So there's all kinds of stuff you're not able to do. You say, well, I, I can't love like Jesus loved. Well, he can love through you. I can't forgive like Jesus forgave. Well, he can forgive through you. Isn't that good news? That is just good stuff. Wow, he can do it through you. Wow, that is so cool. Well, let's see where we're at here. Try to catch up on my notes here. And uh, All right, here we go. So here's, here's another, another half-truth. <clears throat> Anxiety is, un, is an unavoidable, uncontrollable part of life. I could really get myself in trouble here a lot. Um, how many of you have ever been anxious? Right, pretty much 100%, right? <laughs> it's true. So it is unavoidable to some extent. But as far as uncontrollable, how about that? Is it really un, uh, uncontrollable? First of all, I'll share a little personally. I think the more junk food I eat and the more sedentary my lifestyle is, the more anxious I feel. Now, I don't know what that has to do with anxiety, but it sure seems like it. <laughs> so eating right and getting some exercise, boy, that helps my anxiety a lot. And my mom had a real problem with worry and, and anxiety. She's a great person. But she eventually, she discovered Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. And what that says is, I actually can read it to you, I think. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's a profound, profound principle because a lot of our anxiety has to do with trying to solve tomorrow's problems today. You can't really do that. There's some place about planning and, you know, go to the ant slugger and, you know, all that. But, but for the most part, you got to deal with today. You have, I mean, I can say that, I can just prophesy to each of you. You have enough grace to make it till midnight. You do. You have enough grace to, to make it till midnight. Well, what about tomorrow? At midnight, you're going to get another portion of grace, and that'll take you till midnight again. I mean, this is simple, but it's really profound. When I went through cancer and chemo in 2019, that was one of the hallmarks. One day at a time. And can I make it till midnight? Yeah, I, th I think I can do that. I can make it till midnight. And then you start getting excited. I can make it till midnight. And then you get to midnight and say, I think I can make it to another midnight. This is great. Yeah, this is fantastic stuff. But if you try to solve all of tomorrow's problems today, you will be anxious. You will be distressed, depressed, and you'll become a mess. It doesn't work that way. 
So my mom had to learn one day at a time. You know, my, my friends in the recovery movement, you know, AA and uh, alcoholics and different things like that, they have to learn the same principle. One day at a time. One day at a time. And, and that doesn't sound like much, but boy, that is, that is great stuff. Well, <laughs> there, there's another, another principle here that kind of goes along with it. I don't know if it's in the next slide or... Well, yeah, here it is. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So you want to get rid of a lot of your anxiety, you have to change channels. You that are young probably have never seen a radio like this. But the things now are digital, you know? But back in the day, down on people stealing cars, particularly Kia's and Hyundai's. <laughs> well, you get the point. The, the point is, if you're on the right channel, there's life and peace. If you're on another channel, there's static. There's anxiousness. Back in the day when I first had my transistor radio like that, they called it death metal, you know? There's death channels and there's life channels. But that's how it really is. What you set your mind on is crucially important. Paul says in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. And then a few verses later, he says, whatever is good and pure and lovely and of good report, think on those things. Oh, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Change the channel. Change the channel, you know? I don't know all the, all the ins and outs of uh, anxiety and medications and all that. I don't know. I really don't know. But I just know, for one thing, we have to be careful about where we set our mind. Peter was doing just fine walking on water when he was focused on Jesus. As soon as he looked at the wind and the waves, what happened? forget the wind and the waves, focus on Jesus, things will go much better. They really will. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Thank you, Lord. We need to do that. Well, where are you going to set your mind? Where are you going to set your Set your, uh, your thoughts. You know, that is a, such an important thing. Misconception number four. When you got saved, you automatically received the entire portion of the Holy Spirit's power. Boy, I wish that were true. Uh, Sam's birthday is today. Say, happy birthday, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I think he's 39 again or something like that. But, but Sam has taught a thing called Level Up, where he talks about the baptism of the Spirit. He talks about the fact that, yeah, you received the Spirit when you got saved. You know, you're born again and all that stuff. But he, God wants to fill you with the Spirit. He wants to baptize you with the Spirit. And it makes a huge difference in your life when, when you see that happen. That is so, so important. And I remember in my case, I got saved in 1969, and it took me till 1970 till I got filled with the Holy Spirit. But wow, what a difference it is. 
you know, um, <laughs> this thinking that when you got saved, you got it all. There's a teacher named Bob Mumford. He used to say, well, if you have it all, where is it all? <laughs> that, that was a, good, that was a good, good question, you know? But, but what we just read here in, in uh, Romans chapter 8 is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Isn't that something? So whatever you're dealing with today that's blocking your new beginning, whatever addiction, whatever fear, whatever anxiety, the Spirit of God lives in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Hey, it should, should change everything. Wow, what a great thing. So help us, Lord. Uh, so where do we go from here? Here we go. Here's the fifth one. Fifth and the last one. Isn't that something? This is the worst misconception of all because it's so tragic. Uh, when I was growing up in my denominational church, if somebody said, are you going to heaven? I'd say, well, I hope so. I'm sure trying hard. Sure trying to be a good person. I hope I'm good enough to get to heaven. But I missed the point. I, I didn't have assurance. I didn't know for sure. I didn't really know that my sins were really forgiven and that I was really on my way to heaven. And you know what? Most religions, in fact, every religion other than Christianity, that's the way it is. You don't really know. You know, the Muslims, they try to do some good things and try to outweigh the bad things. It doesn't really work that way. So you never know where you stand with God. Hey, here's the good news today. You can know. You can know where you stand with God. You can know that he loves you, that you're his child, and that you're on your way to heaven. What a great thing that is. So it's not based on works righteousness. It's based on the Holy Spirit. So it's impossible to really know whether you're right with God and assured of a place in heaven. Well, look at, look at this. <laughs> Paul says in this chapter, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I can't talk you into whether you're saved or not. I can't assure you of, that you're saved or not. Sometimes preachers try to do that. Well, of course you're saved. Of course you're a Christian. I don't know that. But the Holy Spirit wants to testify with your spirit that you are God's son or daughter. And if that has not happened, he wants that to happen. He wants that to happen. He wants to show you and testify you are his beloved son or daughter. Wow, isn't that something? And here's a great verse that people should, uh, should really, really take heart of. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Wow, isn't that something? You would know that you have eternal life. What a powerful thing. If uh, the worship team could, could kind of come up and we're just going to close things here. Um, you know, as I got into this, uh, this message, I, uh, I felt like the Lord kind of gave me a curveball a little bit. Um, here's the last slide. Are you or a loved one in need of a new beginning of some kind today? My original slide was just, do you need a new beginning? And I'm sure some of you do, you know? If, if you do, if you, we've all needed one at one point, right? At some point, because of our um, 
health, because of our uh, anxiety, because of our uh, sin issues, our addictions. We've all been through situations where we need a new beginning. But as I was talking about Fernando and Phyllis, I got a whole new insight into this. You might not need a new beginning today, but Fernando does, Phyllis does, and what I realized is that almost all of us have a Fernando or a Phyllis in our life. There's some friend, some loved one, some son or daughter, and they're not doing well, and they need a new beginning. They need a fresh start. And so even if you think you're doing just wonderful today, I encourage you to come and pray with our prayer ministers and say, I want to pray for Fernando. I want to pray for Phyllis or whatever your name is. Because God can do it. He can intervene. He can change people. You know why Paul was so convinced about the grace of God? Because he had received it. He was a a murderer, killing people, killing Christians, full of anger, full of pride, full of religious zeal that was misguided. And the grace of God transformed him. But then he got a passion to see others changed and others transformed as well. Next week, Walton's going to talk about the next part of Romans, but I thought, boy, it almost applies right now. It says that creation is groaning. It says the Holy Spirit is groaning. Our prayers should be groaning. You know, and I was convicted as I was preparing this and talking about Fernando and Phyllis. I'm not groaning enough. I can tell their stories in almost in a joking kind of way because of some of the crazy things that they've done. God wants us to have a broken heart to the loved ones that still need a, a new beginning. So, Father, as we close this, Father, we just say, God, break our heart, Lord, with the things that break your heart, Lord. God, we thank you for what you've done in our life. But, Father, we do pray for our loved ones right now, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you would change them. Forgive us, Lord, for not praying enough. Forgive us for not believing that you're able to do it because you are. And so, Father God, thank you, Lord. May there be a ripple effect from this this day, from this week, that goes out to many, many loved ones that we care about, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.